0: Okay, welcome back to the Jules' Life Podcast, and I'm coming to you today, episode 15, outside while getting some sun, walking, trying to clear my mind. I think today is a great time for a podcast. I know I haven't made any in a while, simply for the fact that I've been trying to determine more on the the aspect of the podcast what my what the end game is what's the, the point of the podcast and while driving back from my competition last night, I realized that the the point of the podcast is simply the same thing I named it Jules 's life this is my life it's the things that I deal with uh, it's not really a a certain topic. It's not really just strength training and it's not really just nutrition and it's really not just jujitsu. It's my point of view on all those aspects because this is the life I live and you're basically tuning in to an ongoing story, a soap opera of my actual life. This is my reality you know I'm not trying to make certain things up and I'm not trying to find certain topics that basically everyone has already done and regurgitate them over and over so I'm pretty much going to just say what's on my mind a lot of times it's gonna be maybe five or ten minutes and some may be longer some might be really really long on certain stories that they want to hear about in the past like how I made it to the UFC, things like that. So today's episode is the agony of defeat and dealing with it because I am extremely a sore loser. So I don't know if anyone out there is like that. I'm a very sore loser. I take winning extremely serious. I accept the fact that I'm just not special that's kind of something that's resonated with me for quite some time in the past couple of years and you know I'm one of those people and of a big believer of mindset you know and mind power and all this other mumbo jumbo hocus pocus shit you know I like Jocko and you know I like David Goggins and You know, Eric Thomas, all these people who are great motivational speakers and things like that. I listen to them and and they do. They help me get pumped up and stay on track and this and that. You know, but most of them are always coming from that point of like go hard or go home type of attitude. And and I mean, that appeals to the masses, you know, Uh, it doesn't really work. In my opinion for the ones who were already in that game And I feel that I'm already kind of like in that game, you know I'm already in the go hard or go home. All right, but you know once you get past that mindset of like Go hard go home. Look at the end result You know fuck what everybody else thinks they don't see it your way. It doesn't matter believe in yourself You know die trying whatever you want to say it, however you want to view it. It's hard to find someone to listen to who's living it and then like trying to counterbalance it. Because there's no such thing as like go hard or go home. Now, some people do do that. Don't get me wrong, okay? Um, I personally came from A somewhat of you would call a broken home and so one of the things that mean a lot to me or a family and my children and I can tell you as a father and if you're not a father or if you're not a mother one day you most likely will be your children are always gonna come first and if you don't believe that well you're just a piece of shit and I'll tell you that to your face so it's hard to chase dreams. It's hard to, to face reality as far as having to slow down or do the things that you need to do in order to be successful at what you want um, while still maintaining that, that role as a parent. Cause that is your number one role. Like it doesn't matter what time it happens in your life. If you're 18 years old, if you're 38 years old, whenever you have a child, your number one priority now is that child. So obviously things are different in different scenarios. So I'll give you a breakdown. Obviously when it comes to jiu and competition things like that, the more you train the better you get Now the more you train doesn't mean rolling every single day just being on the mats as much as you can Drilling very slow pace methodical game planning Has almost no physical output whatsoever Those are all training days. It doesn't have to be competition practice. Okay, Uh, I could be teaching a class. Anything that keeps me in the game, keeps my mind on the task, I'm constantly sharpening the irons. That's being in the game. Well, there's a lot of people I look up to and I'm like, oh, God, man. They're getting better and, God, man, so much better than me. and Oh, man, God. And... You know, I get frustrated. I'm like, I don't understand how they're making so much more progress and, you know, this and that. And, and I'm not like jealous. I would say more envy. I would say jealousy would be more of I, I wish down upon them um, because of their success. That's not true at all. I value their success. <clears throat> I more envy their situation. And then I realize that, oh, they're younger they have less responsibilities, this and that. Some of these, and most of them I realize, that that I'm friends with, they have their own schools. So as I just said, training, 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 putting skin in the game, it, it doesn't matter if they're doing one competition class a week, one competition class every two weeks, they're on the mats every day, regardless if it's for themselves They're teaching a class for other students, consistently sharpening the arm, sharpening the arm, sharpening the arm. I don't have a school. I don't have the luxury of being on the mats every day. I understand being a school owner is a very difficult task. Is a very daunting task. Is a very stressful task. It takes a lot of time away from family. But if we're talking about jujitsu Jitsu and we're talking about being the best we can possibly be. If that is their job, then teaching class is not only doing their job. But it's also sharpening their skills at the same time, you know? And when they're training, it's all happening at the same time. Where on my hand, I have a full-time job as a firefighter. I was never good enough to open a school. At at least the skill set-wise, I was just so poor, you know, um... I could not open a school as a younger belt and I would be competing against my coach if anything You know and and maybe if I would have moved on the outside of town or something we have done something but look, it's not what happened. So I Am a full-time firefighter, which keeps me 24 hours away from home All my days off if there's a class scheduled I'll go teach a class on the other times I'm trying to schedule times to practice with other people. I'll even go and teach free classes. I don't get paid for it. I just teach classes just so I can get that work. I can get that work. Now, as time goes on, a lot of these people I see, really good guys, you know, we all grow up and some of them just moved away and started their own schools. A lot of them did, you know, and some of them just kind of moved on and in life in general, just had to go train somewhere else, something like that. So a lot of the high level competitors or teammates that were constantly banging out tournaments, in the lower ranks with me when we were coming up are gone so even as I go back and train I still don't even have that high level to work with so when you're trying to manage your time it becomes more difficult to sharpen that iron because now even their time on the mats are not with that higher level. When you're a lower level belt, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, anytime you can be with a higher belt, that's great. And everybody is worth something. But when you're at the high level, like me as a black belt, it, you, you don't realize how much you struggle when your consistent training partners have become purple and under until you get into competition and you match up with someone else and you realize, oh, here's someone with some skill set. Because you're not constantly sharpening that arm with that skill set. Now, I don't want to say that's, that's not an excuse. That's, that's not an excuse. That's just reality for some people. In my situation, it has become a, a giant reality. The last two years of high-caliber teammate drop-off has been very high. And that's just life in general. And it's one of the concerns I've always had because I knew being a 44 years old, I'm down there training with guys who were 18, 21, 27, you know, who want to be the next up and coming killers and that's fine, but it's getting harder to even put time into the training because Of the children growing up so it becomes more of a daunting task it becomes even harder now there's a lot of coulda shoulda wouldas but one thing I can tell you is this I could argue with my wife and go make some training classes at night I'm sure I can make some don't get me wrong but is it worth it in the long run because I know deep down inside That even if I'm to win a world championship, everyone will tell you at the end, everyone, when they get to the end of the road, was it worth losing the time with the family for that one stance of glory? Now, this doesn't apply necessarily to gym owners, because gym owners, school owners, teachers, professors... That is their profession, so they're already there. They're already doing their job, right? That would be different if I was at the fire station and we had a jiu-jitsu team and I was training at the fire station, you know? That, That would be great. Then I would fall into the same category. But it comes a point in your life where you have to start making decisions. In my early age, even though I was still older than most of the other ones, I made those sacrifices, Especially when I had a later start, you know, I didn't have my first child till I was like, I don't remember 32, you know, and even before he was born or before he even made two, I mean, I was steady working the tournament circuit, you know, getting work in things like that, sharpening the skills But I could see that way back then at age 34. That it's coming. You know, and then I would have another child. And now I have another child. You know, and I would never take away the time I get to spend with my third child. I spend more time with my third child than I've ever spent with my first two kids. And I would never trade the time with her for the smiles she gives for any win. Our time on the mat But as a competitor that constantly seeks self-betterment It's really a hard pill to swallow Because everyone's time Has an end and you can see father time closing down And why I talk about that because in the agony of defeat you can't help but wonder why did I lose? and you know, back to the father time aspect is. You know, I'll have people tell me like, oh, well, um, man, you know, so and so he's 50. He's 51. You know, he is still competing in this and that. And I'm thinking to myself like, oh, that's true. You know, like, you know, this sport doesn't end. I can keep going. But it seems like every single time. Every time actually I Get someone's name thrown at me About how they're in their 50s They're still training. They're still competing It never fails They're still a school owner They are still a gym owner their sole profession is teaching the martial arts so, the days I'm at work, I have nothing to do with martial arts except watching videos. And any martial art person who's in jiu-jitsu, who's in the grappling arts, will tell you, this ain't fucking karate. I don't have to sit there and do katas all day. Like, you need someone to get better. Period. Period. Watching videos, there's... Uh, <laughs> That just helps me stay in the game, but I still have to go apply those techniques and tips and tricks the following day I still need someone So these are the things of the agony of defeat that go through my mind My time is coming to the end My time is coming to the end And I'm accepting of that. As my children go older, they're more and more into more sports. I mean, I got two kids, and one's in jiu jitsu, all right, but he's seven years old. Like, realistically, I can't really train with him. We play around a lot together. You know, my nine year old is in jiu jitsu, but he plays football, he plays basketball, he plays baseball. You know even if like they got of older age and they're self-sufficient and I can go to practice you know once a week at night you know to make up for the times I couldn't go during the day or something like that so I'm still averaging you know maybe say three or four sessions a week or something <laughs> if I can even do that anymore that doesn't happen because my children are now in sports I knew this was coming already I already knew this was coming and I knew as a father, that's, that's what's expected of me to miss those, those opportunities to train. Because it's now their turn to shine in life. It's their turn to grow. And it's my responsibility to help them do that. So I'm talking about the agony of defeat because these are the things that flow through my mind Every time I lose. Is it getting to the end? Am I going to end on a note like this? You get caught up in the, the notion of go hard or go home. And like right now, you know, I'm walking. I'm getting stained in the sun. I'm trying to hit a, a recovery type of workout. But I can't actually do anything You know I'm the type of person that like Okay well if I'm not training Then I'm working out instead Like I'm always doing something to better myself Because I'm not good I'm not good like the guys I came up with You know And when I look back At the guys I came up with Damn dude like, There's some pretty good superstars out there They're like really good some have really made some serious names for themselves in the MMA world. Some have really made some names for themselves in the jiu-jitsu world. And I'm just fucking on the back burner, man. And that's okay. That's okay. I think that's why I'll always appeal to the old Los Angeles Raiders defensive lineman Lyle Zato. Because he always felt worthless too. And that's probably my biggest is I, I, I feel worthless in everything I do. I feel like I'm not a good father. I feel like I'm not a good husband. I feel like I'm horrible at Jiu Jitsu. And so all I can do is work. Cause I have no talent. I have no talent. And you know, i always say that I'm gonna die trying. I'd rather die trying and having fun than, than quitting. And that still is true. But man, when you go through the ups and downs, you just wish for once you could get some sense of self-respect. You know, it's, it's hard out there. It's hard being alone. You know, it's really hard being alone out there when you're a black belt facing other black belts by yourself. And you know, you you, you can't ask Other guys. I can ask some of the younger guys. Like one guy, he would come with me to my other fights and he would corner me and he'd help me out because he was like my training partner. But he's another one that's now moved on and has a school. You know? Like he has another, he has a whole set of responsibilities. You can't ask someone who has a family who's running the gym, managing the gym, owning the gym, taking care of the gym, taking care of other responsibilities for their families to take time out of their day to drive across a couple of hours, across states, to come help you out for 10 minutes. I just, I'm not gonna ask someone for that help. You know, so, so be it. I mean, I'm gonna die trying, but those are the things that go through your head. That's the things that go through my head. This is what I deal with. It's a constant, constant. Last night was really bad. So I drove out to Houston, Texas. For people who are listening in and don't know the frame of reference of location, I'm from Louisiana. I drove four hours out, competed in a submission-only tournament. Have a really good track record with this company. Uh, I've been working with the the matchmaker for a couple years now. I'm a black belt. I first fought for him in one of his cards as a purple belt. Um, I don't think I've ever lost uh, through the past couple years as a purple belt as I fought for them. You know, always matched me up well good guys always had to fight for the win and I did but last night just didn't go in my favor and it seems like every time I get really good at something I, I lack on something else and I was I went for the takedown he got frustrated he tried to pull some type of guard uh, long story short I ended up catching him in guard Broke his posture down a little bit. As he keeps his hands on his hips, I try to keep his wrist pinned inside on my hips. But of course, every time I would do that, he would want to you know, move his hands out. Basically, I was looking for a trap triangle, and then what I was gonna go from there was, if the triangle was there, take it. If it wasn't, keep the wrist pinned inside the hips, go for the the bicep slicer uh, inside guard from the triangle position. Uh, I don't remember how we got out of it. I might have threw up another triangle or something. Any, I don't... I do know that we went to somehow to an armbar position. I don't know what happened. Uh, from there, a hitchhiker escaped out, popped my elbow, got out. And... Uh, from there, pretty much after that, dominated because he kept rolling for like a leg lock or something. And I was able to always set in a lot of head and arms. Uh, which is a very finishing head and arm. Or a, a, a dors and Americana is Like those are my go-tos. But it seemed like every time I had the head and arm, I was always in a more of a mounted position. Not that side mounted position. So what happens was as I applied the pressure very slowly, methodically, over and over multiple times while holding the position you know i had his shoulder more rolled up inside the cheek not the neck and um obviously like you no know, I, I mean I, I applied some serious pressure like i'm surprised you could tell his adrenaline was pumping and he's just i could say i uh he's uh early 40s maybe or something he's an older guy And I can always say this like, people will always say, like, oh man, the young guys are so athletic and, you know, some are juiced up and this and that, but the older guys are fucking tough as nails. Like, tough as nails. So, um, I put a good amount of ass to some of those chokes and he still didn't tap. So, Obviously, I didn't want to fry out, and I second-guessed myself a few times. I knew I should have dismounted, but he was very good on moving. And what I mean by moving is he wasn't necessarily always escaping, but he was definitely trying to. So, you know, a lot of times people get in bad positions, and they hunker down, and they kind of lose hope. Well, even though he told me that he kind of lost hope because I, I, I blocked all his leg attacks and I had him pinned for so long in such a bad area, uh, he still never gave up, he kept moving. Now his coach was very, very good. I mean, awesome coach, this guy's named Victor. Uh, Never yelling, very calm, speaking, told him exactly what to do, you know, put your hand here, hip out there, this and that. So he's coached very, very well. Um, Always knew what I was up to, this and that. Did get him into a top side mount control, which is another honey hole spot for me, uh, but would not stop moving. Would not stop moving. Um, my attack sequence from there is pretty heavy relied upon you hunkering in and holding your arms for dear life. And that allows me to really start just kind of setting things up depending on how you move. But he would just try to flatten his back, roll back up, flatten his back, roll back up. And of course, you know, anytime you're creating constant movement, I can't set things in all the way. So I took his back a lot too. Same thing happened last year or so in another pro comp where I took the back, took the back, took the back, took the back, and I can't seem to finish. I just can't seem to finish. It used to be where I could never get to the back. Then I finally got to the back and it's like I just couldn't hold the back good enough. When now I'm holding the back so long that I can't finish and now eventually they're getting out. Like at this point it's not because I'm not holding the back good enough, it's the fact I'm just not finishing. So very frustrating. I don't even know how this happened. It was just kind of a scramblish thing. He he whew, he somehow gramby rolled or something. And caught me with either a heel hook or an inverted heel hook. I don't even remember. Uh, I think it was a heel hook. Inverted. I don't know. And, I mean, you know, very, very quick. You know, and cranked it hard because, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do when you're in competition. And uh, like, just went to sit up like every other time and, and, and attacked the arm and pull it off. Uh, I think at that point they were actually scoring by points. So in the last four minutes I would already went up 10-0. And, um, I'm just not one to hold positions. I just, I believe you should keep attacking, keep attacking, keep attacking. And I actually let go one of my positions to move to another position and he capitalized and kept moving. And that's how we got into the heel soak situation. And my knee actually popped. He, it popped and he let go. And like maybe a split second later, I did say tap and, um, I think the ref honestly stopped it right after he let go because he saw that like maybe something happened. Um, I'm not even sure if the ref honestly stopped it because I said tap or maybe I made a gesture. But I I don't feel like I I said anything, but I didn't want to continue fighting to be that douchebag guy that, you know, like, oh, I didn't say tap or I didn't tap. And you know take on that opportunity because he let go to submission i mean i clearly was stuck under and he popped my knee and uh i remember like i was so worried because i looked up and i saw my son's face and my heart broke he's my best friend and he's my corner man and at that point i stood up and i remember thinking there's no pain in my knee so what happened was about 3 months ago no 2 months ago in September early September um i fought in a tournament worked my way up to the finals fought a really really good guy he did it, a weird i never seen this re, in like inverted type of heel hook thing he he cranked it so many times i would not tap and uh, when I was done with the match and I was going home, my knee really began to swell, and that's when I realized I probably suffered either a meniscus tear or some type of ACL tear. It was, it was pretty significant. It was bad. Um, now, not a severe tear, as like, like surgery type of thing, but it was jacked up. You know, I know better. I know my body. Something was wrong. So when my knee snapped in this fight i was waiting for the you know the, the onset delay a minute later like here comes the pain you know like kind of one of those career ending type of thing like hey man you're old so you know you're probably gonna have to have surgery to repair it type of thing and you know they're gonna do whatever they can to not get you to do jiu-jitsu anymore and if you do you're gonna go back as a teacher and you're probably not gonna compete and if you do it's gonna be years later and by that point your kids will probably be so heavily involved in sports. It, it's kind of your life is over feeling. And uh, I remember like I was, I was so distraught over the loss. But yet at the same time so proud that my performance was dominant within. But having no pain in my knee make, made me so excited. Like it's really what carried me. Through the journey back home. I turned around, drove another four hours right back home, uh, took a shower, me and my son got dressed, went to bed at two o'clock, got up at five o'clock, and came right back to the fire station. That's why I'm I'm working today. A couple hours of sleep back at the fire station. And on a positive note, that's it. My knee feels fantastic. My knee actually feels better now than it's felt in the past two months of September. So I think what happened is I was, if you go back on my other podcast and some of my my posts on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, um, I was repairing everything. And um, obviously, I did it right. I fixed it, you know. But I had some scar tissue that was slowing me down. So, I released that scar tissue and now it feels fantastic. So, now that the knee feels fantastic, uh... I guess on a positive note, dealing with the agonies of defeat, those are the things that enter your mind uh, and things that you dwell on. Um, Am I really doing the right things anymore? Am I really good? You know, because as I break down my matches and other things I've done right and training and how can I learn from this experience, because don't get me wrong, like I sat back and you know, that four-hour drive back last night, today, you know, I've taken notes on what I need to work on, what worked well, what didn't work well, and it's pretty much the same thing. you just back on the grind, you know, regardless if you win or you lose, you're still on the grind, you know, and that's kind of what I've come to the realization uh, now by the end of the day because naturally I go through a lot of different processes of of uh, dealing with the, the agony of defeat and um, the ones like I've already said you know, to you in the past 30 minutes uh, the different reasons of why am I good, why am I not good why can I get better you know, feeling sorry for yourself Uh, this and that. And the truth is, is no matter how bad you look at yourself and how much you worry about, maybe others might be saying things because that's one thing I didn't talk about was, you know, like, you're trying to fly the flag for your school, you're trying to represent, and you feel like a letdown or embarrassment. And even if that's true, even if you are a letdown to others in your school, even though you are embarrassment, that still doesn't mean you need to quit if things don't go your way because even when I win I'm not satisfied so that's why I take losses so bad because I don't even take wins well I'm not even happy when I win because happiness i mean, winning is is more like a drug to me uh, it's probably the best thing I could probably describe to you would be probably sniffing a whole bunch of cocaine because Cocaine hits you hard and fast and dies out fast. And that's exactly how winning is to me. It boosts up that broken ego deep down inside. I feel high. And then I come crashing down. And no matter how good the win was, I find something wrong with it. And I beat myself up over it. But that's my winning fuel. That's, that's what fuels me to keep getting better. So it's the same thing in the agonies of defeat I go through different stages of depression. I want to quit. I'm no good. Nobody believes in me. I'm an embarrassment. And then I start to kind of rise back up even while talking to you. I'm rising back up inside my head, figuring out what I need to do. What's the next game plan? Because I'm always looking to somehow improve. I'm always looking to somehow improve. I'll leave you with this. I remember one time I was sitting down with my wife in the bathtub. I was washing her back, and we got into this discussion about competing and this and that. I guess I was 42 at the time. I'm 44 now, and, you know, she had an opportunity to, to make a comment about, well, your mom has said the same thing too, Jules. You know, like, you know we figured, like, by this time, you have grown out of it. And I look at her and I I said, I I understand I said "Uh, You can't understand because we're we're two different types of people I said um, I Said but you know, maybe that's more my fault. I said, maybe I didn't explain to you um, Better on how I feel I Said so let me make it clear now that I'll never quit I'll never stop trying. Competing makes me happy. It makes me want to live. I'm not trying to say I don't love you. I'm not trying to say I don't love my children. I'm just saying it makes me feel alive. I don't feel like I'm doing what I wanna do unless I'm working towards bettering myself. I'll never quit. I do understand as time goes on, there will be less and less opportunities for me to take advantage of. And with that said, there's something that a training partner told to me that I promise I'll end on that. Professor Heath Henry Black Belt of Acadiana Jiu-Jitsu, we came up together we received our black belts together. We've competed in a lot of tournaments and pro fights together. And I was bitching and moaning and complaining. And he looked at me and he said, damn, bro. Fucking whining today, huh? And that's not like me. And he looked at me and he said, let me tell you something. He said some of the best damn tournaments I've ever had Were the ones I was least prepared for And that stuck with me Of course the conversation went on a little bit deeper but It stuck with me hard because I tell people the same thing about other stuff in life I had the same conversation with my wife When we were talking about having a third child well, let's have it on this month and let's start trying at this time. And, You know, the first child came no problem. The second child took a couple of months. The third child took a year. Like, there's no perfect time. Because when you think you're going to do something, something's going to happen in life that's going to fuck it all up. There's no perfect time. There's no perfect training camp. I was sick the last probably two weeks again before this training camp with sniffles nothing too bad but just subpar effort had an ongoing hip injury ongoing knee injury that I talked about just always something there's no perfect time and so when he said that it made me realize that even though I say that I don't have the opportunity to have my own school. Now having a third child, I don't have the opportunity to continue to grind and train as much as I want to. Now that the the guys I used to train with on a consistent basis have moved on to other schools or open schools, I don't have the same guys to train with. Okay, so if that's really the determining factors then I should just fucking quit competing. But we all know that's not true. We all know that's true. And I'm gonna tell you something, even though all those reasons are good reasons, they're all decent reasons, it makes the victories sweeter because now you overcame even more obstacles The agony defeat will always show you true colors. Are you going to quit? Or are you gonna push through that motherfucker?